Are you from the future, man? The U.S. strikes back, killing a member of the Islamic State. Welcome to Planet Rage, the intersection of insanity and madness. Here are your hosts, Larry Blydner and Darren O'Neill. Hey, Larry, it's episode number 22. We're making 20, Mondays cool again. 20. Well, now we're in the we're in the caliber zone, aren't we? I think yes. Baby. Yeah. Uh. I mean, the 22s are so little. They it's, are. Yeah, but that's, remember, that's always the hitman's choice. Long 22 and a pistol. Back base of the skull, boom. Yeah, well, yeah, close range. I think you're doing yeah. okay. I think yeah, or even if you, okay. you know, if you get a good shot at, you know, distance, you know, you're, you're, you're you probably get the job done too. But anyway, yeah, that was one of the first. Uh, I think it was the first gun that I ever fired was my buddy Ron's. Right. I think it was his son's twenty two, and it was like this is like a cap gun. There was like no exactly. recoil, and it's just it's like the, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like training wheels for guns. It's it's so easy. It's great. Yes. And yeah. it's, you know, it's still going to do enough damage at close distance. You know, it's not like it's a uh, non-lethal right. weapon. But then you move up, and, you know, the nine millimeters have a little more kick. And I swear the first time I tried one of the Dirty Harry pistols. Oh, <laughs> now you want to talk about if you're not ready for it, it could break your wrist yeah. when you pull that trigger. And your whole wrist, your whole forearm um, kind of rotates in the direction of the rifling of that barrel. You're not ready for that either, you know, because uh, it's got some, that's some, as a friend of mine used to call it, well, that's big medicine. Yes. Yeah. It puts some yeah. force on your body. No question about it. Yeah. A couple, couple of years ago, I went shooting with a couple of dudes that were uh, listeners out here and one <laughs> One of them brought along, what the hell was it? The Desert Eagle 50 caliber pistol. Nice. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Stopping power. Oh, 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 whoa. Lordy. Yeah. Oh, needed for home defense. Well, in your area, it might be. And yours. Yes. We yes. are. We are. It's funny how, yeah, really. We're, the, the whole country between us is the DMZ and we're on the front, aren't we? Yeah, this weekend was kind of <laughs> slow. I mean, I guess maybe it was, was colder it? than... Uh, you know, I had paid attention to only four killed and 16 wounded in Chicago this weekend, Yeah, which is down. But now if we are a student of history, we know that this pandemic is mirroring a lot of things, as pointed out by John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda show yesterday, mirroring a lot of stuff from the 1919 flu pandemic. And yes. what happened right after the 1919 flu pandemic mm -hmm. was the Chicago race riots. So he's predicting a, a redux mm. of that, a uh, replay. Yeah. History repeating itself. So that'll be fun. I mean, we don't exactly have a front row seat to that. We are slightly removed. That's why I always say it, you know, said outside of Chirac, yeah. we are not in the city limits. We are just outside of the county limits. 
So things are relatively sane, but it's close enough to be concerning. Does anybody, I'm curious, you know, because we've been doing this now so long and you always surprise me that the killed and the wounded, does anybody keep kind of a, you know, a log of of how many of those wounds convert to kills over, because it's got to be, if there's 16 plugged, probably one or two of them is going to die, you know, post shooting. I'm not sure if they update those. The number one resource, if you want to know about the violence in Chicago and who doesn't, is a website heyjackass.com great title and it's absolutely yeah it's a great title because it describes everything you need to know Mm -hmm. about the city of chicago and the gun violence and the overall violence and how many people have been shot per minute how many people compared to last year it's uh if it wasn't so absolutely sad it would be funny right and the fact that it's been ignored for as long as it has been is really the sad part about it. When we allegedly in this country had weeks, if not months of rioting, because again, allegedly one white cop put his knee on a black guy's neck and he died. That was the reason allegedly for all of this violence. But every weekend in Chicago, double digits of black people are being killed mainly by other black people. And it's like, ah, we don't care. It doesn't make sense. If you're really that concerned about the life of George Floyd, who didn't deserve to die, but there was a, I think it was a 16 year old kid shot and killed in Chicago. Nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody cares. And it's hilarious that the media doesn't pick it up. And it's uh, infuriating all at the same time that, There's no other reason except for the fact that they're pushing a narrative. If anybody can come up with a better reason, I'm waiting and willing to listen to it. But I don't think there is another reason. Doesn't seem to be. And this is where, you know, we can merge right in to the big news, which has been covered to death. But the idea of misinformation is one that is it's intriguing it is gripping the world right now because of course good old neil young (laughs) neil pulling his music from spotify and this was mind-boggling on so many different levels that you know the first you have this guy who was a part of a movement and i appreciate what a lot of these artists did back in the 60s and 70s where they were allegedly standing up for the people who were being oppressed the voices that were being shut down how did they get to the point to where they are the ones shutting voices down great question that that's what i don't get that's where i can't put two and two together now i would expect neil young to write a song about it and be like, well, here's, you know, you could write your anti Joe Rogan song and explain why you think what he's doing is bad. But this whole, we have to shut them down. We can't let these voices be heard. I don't get how Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and Nils Lofgren, and it's going on and on down the line of artists that are coming in to 
that are saying, pull my music off of Spotify. And here's why the, the quote from Nils Lofgren was, we encourage all musicians, artists, and music lovers everywhere to stand with us and cut ties with Spotify. (laughs) I mean, well, you know, over the weekend, there was a major, uh, like talk about misinformation. This is really rich. There was a fucking shitstorm on Twitch shit because some assholes declared as if it was fact, fait accompli, that now Beatles, Stones, Streisand, I don't know, like a dozen, you know, triple A lists acts had all joined Neil and were jumping off of Spotify, which was complete bullshit. Complete fucking bullshit. Um, So... Isn't that rich? Yeah, it is. Well, it's because, again, the reality is not good enough. We have to keep piling on. Yeah. Yeah. But again, when you're shutting somebody down, how do you then Neil Young actually put out another statement then after this saying he's a champion of free speech? And it's like, no, you're not. He's not bright. I mean, really, you come to, you know, I've known a lot of musicians. Most of them are pretty smart guys. Neil kind of missed that cut. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, you have to be that simple, you know, <laughs> you know, you would think you have to be relative. Well, there's a difference between smart and creative as well. Which, yeah, they, they, yeah, they tend to go hand in hand, but I guess once in a while you get some savant, you know? Yeah. You know, I always liked Neil Young when it sounded like he had no idea what he was playing. That was the best part of crazy horse for me was when Neil would go into a guitar solo that I yeah. couldn't even imagine trying to do it because it just seemed so disjointed from yeah. everything else that was going on, but it still sounded pleasing, which was the magic of it. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. He's uh, gone off the reservation, then trying to encourage other people. This is an interesting question. Should a company like Spotify really play in the music realm and the podcast realm? You know, the interesting thing then comes down to if we're going to worry about every word and every idea that is uttered by a podcaster like Joe Rogan or his guests, then shouldn't Spotify be just as concerned about every one of those rap songs and songs that have really dark themes and uh, the songs that are maybe detrimental in the language to groups of people, including the women and minorities and the LGBTQ and all of that. Cause there's a lot of that in rap music. Yeah. But nobody's saying take off those or we're leaving. Yeah. Well, you know, as usual, the, uh, the left is very good at controlling the narrative. Right. And the way they do it is of course the, the root of that is the vocabulary. And what we have here is they, you know, they create or they distort terms to fit their needs, right? Which the original one that I know Frost did use that bullying somehow, right? There could be verbal bullying, you know, like no bullying. If it's somebody gets physical, that's bullying. If it's verbal, no, that's not bullying. Um, but now it is. And it's accepted that way, isn't it? And, and in fact, it's come to, you know, I don't like the way you looked at me. You right. bullied me. Right. Okay. So it's, it's now become that. There are microaggression looks. And then, uh, you know, you had, um, they, they invented the term hate speech, didn't they? Yes. And people use it all. And, and so people use it all the fucking time. And when they use it, they win. And the latest iteration from that playbook is misinformation. 
right? So that's that's their coverall. So you may have some some recording artist that has you know just made his bones on you know horrendous toxic lyrics in every in every way. But that's that's, that's okay. That's not misinformation, right? That's <laughs> so, oh, that's protected under free speech. That's protected, but misinformation, whatever the fuck that is, well, that, that we have to we have to silence that so. because. The bottom line comes down to because people are too stupid to know what is true and what is not. And even giving them a differing opinion is dangerous to their health, which just says everybody be really dumb. Yes. I don't get that part either. I mean, I guess a lot of people are really dumb, but don't you want to hear from both sides of the argument? And in the clips I've got here from Rogan, he explains that. The people that he had on his show are accredited. They're doctors. They're, you know, the one guy was the one that really had a lot to do with all of the mRNA stuff. One's a very respected cardiologist. It's not like I went on the Joe Rogan show and was spewing medical advice. That would be dumb. He has people on that are experts. I thought the most interesting thing from these celebtards that came out against Joe Rogan was uh, Harry and Megan who uh, oh, did they, did those two imbeciles <laughs> weigh in? Really? Yes. Really? Oh, I got to hear. I missed this. The tighten me up. The statement they put out last April, our co-founder, this came from their publishing company that they have. Our co-founders began expressing concerns to our partners at Spotify about the all too real consequences of COVID-19 misinformation on the platform. And again, what are the all too real consequences that somebody listening to an idea, the consequences are so great that we have to shut that idea down. Mm -hmm. The most interesting thing to me was the fact that before this all happened, I had been following the fact that Harry and Megan, who, you know, since his family kind of cut ties and since she was an actress of, B-level notoriety would be putting it nicely, but they obviously need some cash because, you know, the trust fund, I guess, is gone and Harry doesn't have all the, you know, they're not living in the UK where he could have been a prince and nobody would ever had to worry about money. They signed a deal like Rogan. They signed a deal with Spotify like two years ago to put out a podcast and have not done an episode yet. No shit. I want that deal. How do we get that deal there? I don't know. I don't know. Spotify, maybe if you gave them like a, a little money up front, you might want to try to get that back. Pay for no play. I like that. Uh-huh. They have a great they have a great attorney cutting deals for them, whoever that guy is. Wow. Yes. And the story on this from the AP said earlier, hundreds of scientists, professors, and public health experts asked Spotify to remove a December 31st episode of the Joe Rogan Experience which featured Dr. Robert Malone, an infectious disease specialist who has been banned from Twitter for spreading COVID-19 misinformation. So again, this is the media as we have it. That letter, as was covered on the No Agenda show, a vast majority of the people that signed that letter were not accredited. So, okay, that's kind of misinformation right there. From the AP, who then accused just they're saying this guy, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, banned from Twitter for spreading COVID-19 misinformation. But what is 
misinformation at this point. And that is one of the things that Joe Rogan, in a statement that he put out recently on his Instagram account, really talks about, which I thought this was kind of interesting. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would they would ban you from certain platforms. Now that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. And he's absolutely right. He is right, but he's a little uh, he's a little uh, unaware of uh, current events because Dan Bongino was just broomed from YouTube for exactly the mask sin. Yes. Okay? He said masks really don't work, as you said many times, um, and they flipped his ass off. So I would think Joe would know better, but we'll cut him, we'll cut him a break on that. Well, YouTube yeah. hasn't caught up, I guess, which is, again, the problem that he's absolutely correct factually in the fact that people were saying this stuff. Getting booted off or like Bongino, then still getting booted off, even though it's been proven that that is a fact, not a conspiracy theory. So when you start hiding behind, they're spreading misinformation, but you were calling misinformation over the last two years, multiple things that have now been proven as fact. How do you expect a society to function? How do you expect social media? To function, I mean, it would be great if social media would all just shut down. But how do you expect any of this stuff to function behind the, oh, we're going to punish you for spreading misinformation when we're seeing over and over again the misinformation is turning out to be true? Right. You know, I have, um, since we just mentioned Bongino, he did a great tweet to YouTube. Yes. I read this. Yes. Dear Coco, whoever the fuck that is, he said, nice to meet you. I was sent your email about YouTube suspension of my channel. If I said it was surprised here, I'd be lying. We knew it was just a matter of time before the tyrannical free speech hating bullshit, big tech shithole you work for would try to silence us. I actually waited, anxiously waited for this moment. However, as I've said on my show many times, thankfully, I'm one of the investors in Rumble, blah, 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 blah. Uh, a matter of fact, I have more than double the, num- uh, the number of followers there than on your shit platform. <laughs> I love this. So here's my deal to you. And it'll be no negotiation. After your suspension, I'll immediately post content questioning why masks have been totally ineffective in stopping this pandemic. I dare you do, to do something about it. Kiss my ass, Dan Bongino. <laughs> you got to love this guy. I mean, really? Yeah. Um, and more of these people, you know, there's, I could go on for days about this, but the, one of the most overused words in the, in the language today is the word respect. You know, these people, when they don't treat you with respect, they don't re- deserve respect in kind. And I applaud his uh, his ab- abusive uh, use of language there. I really do. Well, yeah, so. because this is the public square. We've talked about that with Twitter. That's YouTube right. is the same way. I applaud him for getting involved. And I think he was one of the starters of Rumble. And that was the, you know, they've kind of teamed now or bought locals. And they're yes. 
trying to build allegedly a platform that content creators can feel like they can post mm-hmm. without fear of being taken down. Right. And I don't think for a minute that Bongino was taken down by YouTube for legitimate reasons. I think you, sir, are correct. Yes. We need Adam's bell here. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. (laughs) They're doing it because they don't like his viewpoint. And then they look for reasons to remove the content. I saw this firsthand when our buddy Walkman of Buckeye was uh, removed from Twitter. I don't know if it was temporary or permanent, but he, he dared to call Alyssa Milano the C word. And he got a suspension on Twitter from that. And as he pointed out then, and then I did, I went and did a search for that word. And Mm. if the people calling anybody on the right, that word somehow didn't get suspended. It seemed not amazing. Yes. Yeah. So we know why the choices are being made Mm. for what they want to do. And I don't know what they think the end game is because as i've been saying you're right all along with the cloth masks they don't work it's like putting your underwear in front of your face that's not protection from a virus right this concept now which is even more insane of well if people can tolerate i think the cdc said if you can tolerate wearing a n95 mask all day long then you should you would get more protection from that which is probably true it's probably Mm -hmm. the only way to get protection from a mask but people are not going to do that because they are not comfortable yeah it is hard to breathe the amount of protection you're getting from it is most likely and the science i'm sure will come out eventually but not likely worth it for how much harder it is to breathe now if you're a contractor you know all about these things. When you're doing demo and stuff like that, you'll wear these things so you're not inhaling the crap that is in the air. Right. But you know it is not a comfortable thing to wear. You cannot breathe freely. And if you uh, put a O2 monitor on after you've had one of these masks on, you'll see the amount of oxygen in your blood dropping. True. Which is not healthy. And, you know, the best best, uh, sort of explanation of that, whole thing was yours i might add because many people have done you know look at look at cigarette smoke and i can blow this through this mask and you mentioned that you you like the scent of was it peppermint yes. in your house oh yeah and you can you can wander anywhere you want through your house and, and i guarantee you if you're wearing an n95 mask you will still smell that peppermint because as you said it's aerosolized right okay now you, there's a way to not smell it and some years ago i was doing some body work on a car with that shit bondo which will probably like could fucking kill an elephant if he you know huffed three breaths of it i mean it's yes just, you it's don't just so you don't want that coating your lungs that, that shit is so toxic it's mind-blowing and i bought one of these you know like bug man masks a thing you know weighs five pounds at home depot i forget what the fuck the you know what it's called but with that on you smell nothing, absolutely nothing. So that's probably what people, people really want to be safe. <laughs> that's what they should wear. Right. Well, if, yeah. And then a whole hazmat suit, I think is. And a whole hazmat suit. Too. Which, Why not? You, which you should yeah. wear, uh, you know, but this is an interesting thing that this is seemingly accelerating. It is. 
at the point where the virus appears to be retreating from a lethal standpoint. It seems to be very contagious still, way more than it ever has right. been, but the lethality is way down, meaning we're watching this turn into from a pandemic to an endemic where it's just going to be around like a flu would be. Yep. And once you hit that point, it's a lot harder to keep the fear of porn going. Yes. And Neil's an old lefty. We know that. Sure. And these people that are going up against Rogan, this isn't about this medical misinformation because the need for this medical information on either side should be over fairly quickly now. You're right. So the fact that you're making a stand now, I don't really understand. I don't understand why, except for the fact that Joe Rogan is a dangerous guy because he dares to give a platform to people that they don't like. And they've figured out with Donald Trump, even the president of the United States, Twitter has the ability to silence him. Facebook has the ability to silence him. Big tech has the ability to silence any person in the world. If you could do it to the president of the United States, you can do it to anybody. Yeah. But Joe Rogan isn't the person saying the stuff they don't like. Otherwise, they'd really be going after him. Rogan is the conduit. Right. He sits there and listens to people talk to him, asks questions. But the main problems they have are with what people have said to Rogan, not things he himself has said overall. I mean, they didn't like how he dealt with his COVID infection. They're probably really pissed that he didn't die. They're super pissed. But I think they're going after him very hard. I think he's the new whipping boy for that. He's like really the new Trump. Um, they just can't, they just can't stop pounding. I mean, you're right. I mean, all he's doing is giving others, uh, you know, a platform to speak, uh, to give alternative opinions, but that's, that's, they can't allow that. So it's, let's get Joe, you know, he's his fault. <laughs> I am a little bit disappointed in one of the things he is willing to do. And that's in the second clip here from Joe. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Lay now, it. because of this controversy, and there, I'm sure there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes with these controversies, but uh, Neil Young has removed his music from the the platform of Spotify and uh, Joni Mitchell and uh, apparently some other people want to as well. Um, I'm very sorry that they feel that way. I, 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 I most certainly don't want that. Uh, I'm a Neil- Well, first, let me say right there, that's being covered in the mainstream headlines. Joe Rogan apologizes. Like, no, that that's not no. apologizing for what he has had on his podcast. He just says he's sorry that people feel the way they do about it. That mm. was not an apology. True. Neil Young fan. I've always been a Neil Young fan. I'll tell you a story at the end of this about that. One of the things that Spotify wants to do that I agree with is that at the beginning of these controversial podcasts, like specifically ones about COVID, is to put a disclaimer and say that you should speak with your physician and that these people and the opinions that they express are contrary to the opinions of uh, the consensus of experts, which I think is very important. Sure. Have that on there. I'm very happy with that. Now, I don't believe he's really happy with that. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I watched that statement uh, last night and thought the same thing. I think, well, you know, here's this guy. I mean, he's talking about a, a, a rock in a, in a hard place that's made of $100 million cash. Uh, he, right. He's, you know, he has to sort of uh, walk the line 
a bit there. Uh, so what's what's he going to say? But yeah, the, the idea that now Spotify is going to put trigger warnings on content is fucked up and an abomination because now they're writing. They're, they're in lockstep with Facebook and Twitter and all the rest. Right. OK, same thing. And uh, but what's he going to do? I guess. Uh, I don't know. Any, yeah. Any episode now that has anything to do with medical stuff, you're going to have a disclaimer, which, you know, maybe you should just have that on everything on the Internet, which that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. The question is, does that do anything? Does that change anybody's viewpoint? Does anybody that is about to listen to that podcast hear the guest you're about to hear on the Joe Rogan experience says things that the CDC doesn't believe? Does that make you not believe the guest? Does any of these things make you not believe? Or is this kind of the uh, Al Gore, Tipper Gore, parental guidance sticker on an album thing? Sure. It's more infantilization of the American public. Um, It it fortifies the opinions of those who, uh, you know, completely uh, go along with that narrative. And I would also pick a bone with with something Rogan said. Um, when he said about the consensus of, uh, of, I forget how exactly. Right. Experts or something. Consensus. Exactly. Um, Joe doesn't know what the fuck the consensus is. None of us, nobody knows what the consensus of experts are because so many of them have been silenced. Some of them have been fired and they're terrified of speaking their mind. The consensus may be the majority of people who oppose mandates. We, we just don't know because they've been, the social media and the government have been so, you know, adroit at shutting down uh dissenting voices so joe doesn't know i don't know nobody knows well and i don't think the left i think spotify came up with this idea because i don't think neil young and the other insane lefties would be happy with the warning at the beginning because i think this is i remember i was a kid in the 80s and that parental advisory sticker on an album of a group that I'd never heard of was going to get my attention. Like, Oh yeah, they're, they're saying something. Maybe I want to hear this is a little risque. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that putting that at the beginning of a Joe Rogan show, having that would be like, Oh, I'm going to take a little bit more notice of what this guest is saying, because I'm being told not to. It's maybe. an interesting thing. I don't, I don't know if the logic really works of putting yeah. a warning well, on it. Well, I think any, any, you know, any outfits, if they, if they believe that's the right way to go, if, if they're going to do that, what they should do is slap a warning label on that Neil Young cut uh, down by the river. I shot my baby and it should say right in front. Hey, this, this, uh, this tune promotes violence against women. Right. Shouldn't it? Well, that's okay. all which, which by entertainment. Being, being a fucking pussy um, years ago, people called him on that when that song came out. He, he you know, danced around with some horseshit. Oh, it's metaphorical. Blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. <laughs> no, he had everything but the gunshot in there. <laughs> well, it's so much in entertainment. I mean, you had the Dixie Chicks with Goodbye Earl about killing an abusive boyfriend. Yeah. You turn on almost any, well, not any television show, but there's a lot of them that deal with you know, NCIS, FBI, there's a lot that deal with law enforcement and that where you have a lot of people with guns and shooting them and there's a lot of violent stories. Mm. This is the problem when you start trying to silence all of this stuff like, oh, no, we can't have this because the character is bad. We talked about that uh, when the Christmas rolled around again, where the BBC tried to silence 
The song that's been the most popular Christmas song in the UK for years, the Pogues fairy tale of New York, because there's some bad language in it. And it's, it's amazing that, you know, Shane McGowan stood up. He's like, you know, it's a character, right? You know, these songs, which is why I would stand up for the rappers who want to sing whatever they want, even if it's really violent anti-women. It's like, okay, your character, this is a character. This is entertainment. This is fiction, hopefully. And the ability to tell stories is an important one. If nobody was ever able to tell a story that contained any offensive part, then you don't get to tell any stories. Yeah. Because somebody's going to be offended by anything. Well, you know, maybe, you know, if Tom Hanks has his way, it's going to be all Mr. Rogers all the time, (laughs) everywhere till the end of the world. That's a really (laughs) scary world right there. Yeah, right there. That's what they like, right? Start flipping (laughs) the channels around. And it's uh, this this last bit from Joe Rogan really (laughs) made me remember what was going on in. When did he really hit? Was it the late 80s or early 90s when Rush Limbaugh really rose to prominence? Yeah. And they started going and pushing for the uh, what was the name of the law where it's all equal time for oh, uh, fairness doctrine. Yes. And this reminded yeah. me of that. If there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. And uh, I would like to talk to some people that have uh, differing opinions on those podcasts in the future. So now, yeah, we'll see, Joe. But this concept, it's like, so Joe now has to have his own internal Joe Rogan experience fairness doctrine. And if he talks to Dr. Robert Malone for three hours, then he has to have Dr. Fauci on for the following three to balance things out. And I say bullshit because the mainstream media is doing nothing but the other side. Total bullshit. Joe, you know, Rogan is one of the lone canaries in the in the vast coal mine that is media. And uh, it's an it's an overwhelming majority of uh, of Fauciites. So, no, Joe, you don't you don't have to do that at all. But, you know, again, he's dancing for his supper. Yes. Yes. You know, and if he wants he, to think, hear from those people, as he said, he yeah. had Dr. Sanjay Gupta on. So this yeah, is like, on. Yeah. It's not yeah. like he's going all yeah. one sided and, here. And major props to. Joe, okay, he he fucking went toe to toe with that guy and backed him down. I watched that and I was very impressed by what he did. Well, he's, to- he's an intimidating guy, Rogan. I mean, he can well, you know, be. He can he can be, but still, you know, let's remember he's a fucking you know he's a, he's an entertainer, he's a broadcaster sitting behind a desk, and his only weapon is a is a microphone. And the bottom line was, you know, Gupta's argument was uh, it was uh, weak, and uh, he just didn't come out on top. So. Right. And that's what you should have when you have a fair debate on any topic. Yeah. Hear from both sides and let the people decide when you're the one trying to silence Neil Young, when you're trying to silence the other side. What that says to me is that your side does not have a strong enough argument. Of course. And I think everybody knows the arguments. When it comes to COVID now, I think everybody knows the arguments when it comes to whether to get vaccinated or not, whether you should wear a mask or not. And I don't think there's really any more 
to any major degree changing those minds. Everybody that over the past two years has grown in opinion. I would find it very hard to believe that somebody who was, you know, is anti-mandate now is anti-vaccination for this particular vaccine, the mRNA vaccines, especially. I don't think there's anybody that can say anything that's going to make that side go, oh, wow, yeah, no, I want a vaccine. Same thing on the other side. The people who totally bought in, they're not going to get any information that's going to change their mind. So it's again, what's the point here? True. True. Yeah. Why is information dangerous? That's the question. Right. There's a good, that's a great question. Yeah. There's your meme. Why is information dangerous? Yeah. (laughs) Because it's killing people who believe what these people say, which in this case, again, the people that they're angry with are the ones who do not want vaccine mandates. And this was something that was talked about with uh, Adam Curry and Megan Kelly, that everybody is now getting lumped into one category, you know, including me, because I took the vaccination. I talked to my doctor right, and I got the vaccine, the Johnson and Johnson, and I am fine with that, but I'm anti-mandate and you shouldn't put those two things. It's not like if you're anti-mandate, you are not necessarily anti-vaccine. You're anti-people being forced to take the vaccine. Of course. But again, that's that's what they've done. They've taken that broad brush and painted guys like you with it. And me. I'm not anti-vaccine. I haven't taken it, but I don't give a shit. You take all you want. You have the same thing. But if you now if you're anti-mandate, they say you're also anti-vax. Right. They fucking lie. They Which lie. is an absolute lie. And yes. the worst thing that is happening to people who have not been vaccinated is they may get sick and it's possible they may have a higher chance of perishing. But everybody, I think, understands that. I think many don't. I think I think that the message has been so effectively pounded into so many skulls that there are still tens of millions of people out there. I mean, look, all I have to do is walk around Los Angeles um, constantly, I still see people walking, uh, you know, on hiking trails out in the great outdoor outdoors alone, masked up, right. <laughs> Driving their cars alone, masked up. You know, what do they think? They, they believe that there are clouds literal look like, 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 like hives of bees of COVID right. germs out floating, there, <laughs> floating, ready to get them. You know that, I mean, that's the only reason they're doing that. You know that. And I think many, many people, they just, they, they get all their information from Don Lemon. And so in, in their minds, nope, I got this. I, they're still believing Joey. If you get the vaccination, you're not going to get COVID. You're okay. You're protected. Nah, it didn't quite work out that way, but they haven't heard the news. They just haven't. Yes. And I'm curious, and this is going to be a good round of unrelenting the podcast I do with Gene Nevtuliev this week, yes. because we were off this past yeah. week because he caught the COVID. How is he doing? The last I heard, he said better, but still not great, but hopefully getting better. And this was over a week into it. So this is not a walk in the park. No, this is not something you want to get. Right. And I'm curious because he, like me, believed in a lot of this stuff, including if you load up on your vitamin D3 and your corsetin and your zinc and the, that kind of stuff, okay. that even if you catch it, it's going to be 
you know, not too bad. And he was one of those guys. And obviously so he, he was on, he was on the Zelenka program. Yeah. Really? So this, uh, this adds some interesting uh, quirks to this whole concept that, Hey, this yeah. is enough. Yeah. And I'm curious if he has any uh, change in how he's viewing this. And hopefully he's well enough to do a show this week. And uh, although I told yeah. him, you know, if you're, if you're going to go, that's one hell of a way for us to get some, uh, some pity donations. If, uh, <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to go that route, but I'm hoping he'll be back now, this week. And uh, now did Adam say in a show? Cause I was, I, you know, there's always like distractions that piss me off when I'm listening. You know, it's what have, having kids does to you. Right. Did I, but did I hear him? Did I hear Adam say that he like hand delivered some ivermectin to Gene or yes. Yeah, he did. He so had to get nice Gene. He had to get Gene the pills. Cause Adam had them. That's and really uh, nice Gene didn't. I don't wow. know if Gene had tried to order them or not, but as we've talked about, some were being uh, stopped. Yeah. Once enough people started ordering them, I guess. Sure. That the dangerous pack. And we all know with everything medical, mm-hmm. which is why any of this stuff needs to be discussed, which is why having the dialogue is important. Not everybody is the same. And you have to figure this out. And you're doing it on the fly with. Yeah a pandemic raging, which is what if ivermectin works at curing people, but only in 35% of the population, but for those 35% taking it, you're totally cured. Now, maybe the other 65, it does nothing. Right. Medicines like that. There is a lot of stuff where doctors are like, well, oh, this blood pressure medication isn't working for you. Let's try this. Right. Everybody's different. There's no one-stop shop for any of this, which is why it's important to know how it's working with something. You know, is it, it's a lot of data and you can't really parse it immediately. And we'll see. Hopefully that pack worked. But Gene and uh, the Podfather go back. Gene was involved with uh, the device Adam was trying to put out for the podcaster, uh, Podcaster Pro, I think it was called. Hmm. And they're right in the same area. I mean, uh, cool. the Podfather moved out of Austin. I told Gene just to get away from him. Maybe <laughs> that may be true, maybe not. But uh, you know, it's it was nice that he got the the house call. That was really nice. Yeah, man, cool. We're trying to keep Gene healthy, and uh, yes, and then we'll find out more. Hopefully, we Thursday will. or Friday with unrelenting. But uh, now you had a clip here of a guy. Breaking yeah. a Neil Young record. Do we need to set this Several. up any other way? Yeah, it just, you know, I was just, uh, you know, kind of uh, surfing around looking for rage about uh, Neil. And I, and this uh, YouTube thing came up saying, fuck, fuck Neil Young. <laughs> and here's this dude. I don't know who he is. You know, he's just sitting in a very small room with his sort of and he's angry. camera. Well, he's, he's your kind of angry. Uh, <laughs> He's, he, you, you like the controlled rage. I, I tend to like the nuclear options, but this guy's definitely more in the, you know, because you don't think he's going to do what he's going to do. He, he doesn't really tip his hand. And he starts to, you'll hear him, he starts talking about Neil Young. And uh, I think that's about all the setup you need. And I did like with Joe Rogan going yeah. through the whole, you know, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. I love Neil Young. I'm a big Neil Young fan. There's a lot of people who would have gone in the other direction, even if they were a fan to be like F Neil young, F, you know, this. Right. And, uh, 
I thought it was an interesting way. And it was taking the high road, which. Oh, yeah. He absolutely took the high road. But was what I found amusing about it, I, I watched that clip through to the end and he said he, he teased it. He's a pro. You know, he, he teased the I'll tell you why I'm a big Neil Young fan. Right. And then he, he went into a story at the end how he was a security guard in Massachusetts and uh, he was at a Neil Young show and people are getting rowdy and so forth. And <clears throat> he decided just to to, to buck. He, he, he said, I'm not going to get the shit kicked out of me for minimum wage or whatever he was getting. Right. And he, and he, and he left. He said he probably never got his, his, uh, his, picked up his last paycheck. And I heard the story. I said, well, if you were a big Neil fan, Neil Young fan. <laughs> Why did you fucking leave the right, arena? Right. I would have put the hoodie on <laughs> yeah, and watched put the, the show. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so I thought, no, Joe, you're not really, you're not a Neil Young fan, but okay. I'll, you know, props for taking the high road. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yes. It's always good to take the high road. Yeah. But um, this whole thing with um, Neil Young versus Joe Rogan um, on Spotify, totally against what I, feel as a citizen of the United States of America. Our First Amendment right is free speech. And I don't care what you have to say. You have the right to say it. So, Neil Young, (laughs) Harvest. Oh! (laughs) I know that sound. (laughs) <laughs> Neil Young, Live Rust. <laughs> this was VCLT, so I'm not going to break stop. it. <laughs> stop. You're, you're a vinyl guy, Darren. What the fuck is VCLT? Um, I, maybe one of these labels that puts out like very limited edition. Uh, okay. You know, it was probably something that was worth a little bit more money. Yeah. In the in the world of vinyl, you can find a lot of Neil Young. I mean, especially if you buy stuff used, there's a yeah. lot of records you can pick up for a buck or two. Right. And those are fun to break. Now, one you can put on eBay for, you know, 50 or 100 bucks, then you really got to want to make a point right. before before you're uh, smashing those. But this kind of takes <laughs> me back to Steve Dahl's Disco Demolition. Exactly. It was exactly my thought when I cut the clip. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's making the point. I had original pressings of Neil Young. So. You know what? I have a knife, so I can just, <laughs> just start cutting them up. Well, up, he, he couldn't, uh, you know, was whatever the vinyl was made of, it was kind of malleable. It just wouldn't, wouldn't crack when he was bending it. So he pulled out a pocket <laughs> knife and just started scratching the shit out of the grooves. Very funny. Yeah, because that's true. Some of the vinyl is way bendier. Right. Depending right. on the material used. Yeah. This is two bars, by the way. That is definitely a uh, a little bit of rage. Yeah, it's probably never going to be played again. Yeah, probably never going to get played again. Played again. Yeah, that was a great, great line to kind of end with. But I thought that was, like I said, he's your kind of age rage because you listen to what he's doing. He's destroying this stuff, but he sounds like he's, uh, you know, having a cup of tea or something. Yes. Biscuit. (laughs) Vital is way more um, sturdy than people give it credit for. The fact that some people are like, oh, you have to treat it with kid gloves. You probably put on those white gloves or even pick it up and don't let anything touch it. It's like, I have really push the envelope 
with a few records just to see. And mm-hmm. they're very hard to screw up. Now, if you run a needle alongside those, and we'll hear that sound in a second on a clip that I have. But when you do that, then you'll scratch the record and it's pretty much done. Yeah. But beyond that, it's hard to damage a record. You know, a lot of the old records, it's because the needles were never changed. I mean, my dad had a bunch of old records. Well, does still. And mm-hmm. the just overall playing. And it's like, I don't think a lot of people understood back in the day that after X amount of hours, you know, you should be changing the stylus. Otherwise, you know, it's starting to do damage. And mm-hmm. the old turntables weren't necessarily weighted properly. I mean, now when you set up a turntable, it's like you're measuring the amount of gram weight, you know, going down. So it's like you're very yeah. you're trying to put very little force down into the grooves where if you buy one of these really cheapo turntables now, they're just digging in and you're damaging sure. records as you play them. But if you have a turntable that's set up properly, it's really hard to do damage to the record, which is why it's kind of funny where it's like, oh, you're trying to you know break the record and it won't break. It yeah. was way easier to break 78s because they were made out of oh. like shellac. And <laughs> oh, man, I, I'll tell you a funny story about that real fast. When I was a kid in Queens, we, uh, we, we moved from one house to another house. that was kind of a it was an attached row house. And behind was this really crazy long driveway. We called a community driveway, you know, flanked with garages on both sides. And it must have this thing had to go for over a quarter mile. And that's where. We'd play, we'd, you know, everybody play ball out there because it wasn't in the street. You know, there, were, there was less traffic, almost no traffic. And so <laughs> one day, some guy, he must have been a thousand years old, threw out, I mean, probably two six foot columns of cardboard boxes filled with shellac 78 records. Damn. Okay. Which make among probably better Frisbees than Frisbees. Well, they could do damage, too. Exactly. (laughs) And so we got into that, my friends and I, and we just started scaling the shit out. And the best part was because you'd throw them and they'd they'd explode. Right. (laughs) They'd blow blow up. Yes. Well, you know, within about two hours, that entire driveway was just a sea of broken 78 RPM records and cars would come up and they crunch over them, go over, <laughs> over ice and the neighbors are like, what the fuck happened here? You know? And I don't know how many years I lived there, but it, by the time I left, there was still a lot of, you know, busted <laughs> shellac records in that, in that driveway. Became so, part of the uh, pavement, huh? And I got a great sense of achievement over that, Darren. I really did. Well, just don't think about what those 78s might be worth today. <gasps> Well, are they, I got to ask you this because some years ago, you know, at the dawn of Google, I was, I remembered doing that and I got curious and I, what I read then was, this is probably 20 years ago. It said that basically they're not worth shit, but are they valuable now? I mean, you would know. It all depends they- what they are, just like records, which is the stuff that normally becomes yeah. really, really valuable are the ones that were not a lot that were produced. So. When you have, again, the Neil Young record or anything that was, you know, Michael Jackson's thriller. I mean, there were millions produced. Right. Those are never, unless it's a very specific thing you're looking for, going to be worth anything. But there were some old, you know, blues records that maybe were only a hundred of them pressed at the time. Uh, Right. That if you come across, same thing with the 78s. If there's something really rare that didn't survive anywhere else, then. You know, it's all supply and demand. 
Sure. Gotcha. But they do. Yeah. The, the shellac ones, man, it's when you throw a vinyl album against the wall, it's going to bounce. Now a 78, right. like you said, those yeah. are, it's amazing yeah. really that it is amazing. they lasted as long as they did without just totally imploding themselves anyway. Yeah. But uh, that's why the beauty of music, I like the concept of having the physical album. And I mean, people can make the debate all day long between, well, is it analog versus digital? And I get that to a certain point, but digital recordings are really, really good. I mean, we know that from recording just the podcast, what you can do on a computer right now with a couple cheap devices is really amazing. It's more, I think, that people want the nostalgia. It has a warmer sound to it. There's a little bit of that because there is an imperfection, Mm -hmm. which was the thing people loved. You remember when CDs came out, it was like, wow, the music's crystal clear. Right. Because you didn't have any pops or scratches and you didn't have to worry with a CD about the pressing there was no, I mean, still with right. the vinyl it's did you get yeah. a good pressing did you not You'll, if you go read reviews even on anything new being produced on amazon you'll constantly have people complaining that the pressing they got wasn't good or it was noisy and they sent it back and sometimes they got a better one sometimes they didn't but record albums are very much affected by that now most records that are being produced they make the master and then they press it with the plates and they do about a thousand. And then those plates get thrown out because that's about all they can handle before they start degrading back in the day, they would pump like 10,000 out of a plate. So it was quite often, even if it was a brand new record, it could be different. If you got the 10,000th one pressed as opposed to the first one pressed, there was a big difference in the sound quality. You covered that very well in one of your earliest Random Thoughts podcasts, which everybody should listen to, by the way. And uh, I learned all those things. And yeah, 10, because I never knew that. I always thought every record you buy would be the same, but it's not. I guess if, if you got right. like the 9,900 something in that batch, you got fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people don't realize that. Cause <laughs> you would just think they're all going to be exactly the same. No, right. CDs are because it's all just zeros and ones and it doesn't matter sure. where it was pressed in the line. But there are, and I think it may have covered it on that episode. There are a couple of people who specialize because you can tell by what is imprinted on the label, like right next to the printed label, you'll see a number that is scratched into the vinyl. And right. that tells you exactly when it was produced and you know, all the information that you need. And there are people that specialize in finding the right pressings, the low runs and all of this, which is why some of these albums could sell for thousands of dollars, even though they are otherwise a pretty commonplace album. So it's it's, it's interesting. It is. And I think, you know, to your point, Bon Jovi, if I'm I'm not mistaken, he was the guy that articulated this early on and very well <clears throat> saying how he thought that, uh, you know, he, he really was, I think he went off on Steve jobs. I don't know why he laid it on his doorsteps, but he did that kids to kids, you know, at the digital age were deprived of so much because part of the experience 
of enjoying music was that fucking album. Yes. The album cover, the cover. I mean, and some of that, that album cover art was just, it was just fantastic. Oh my God. You could stare at it for days. You know, maybe my favorite of all time was uh, Aqualung by Jethro Tull. Holy shit. Yes. They just came out with the new album. I haven't le- heard it yet. Did they really? Uh, they're, wow. they're still going, which Good. is cool. But yeah. it was when you bought an album, at least I did. I listened to both sides from start to finish. And it was never one that would go play one song on an album because it was a pain in the ass. You might play one side. Right. But now with everything being just by a song here and there, the concept of albums has kind of gone by the wayside. Everybody just has their own mix. And I think that is. Yeah detrimental for the way at least for the way music used to be produced and it's interesting because frank sinatra was really Mm -hmm. the guy that came up with the concept of the album you know instead of just putting out individual singles having the lp especially that was wrapped around one kind of topic making that a thing to listen to from start to finish Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it started and then it just kind of died with yep. the digital music because people just want to buy a track and we all understand we all bought albums along the way because you heard one or two good songs on the radio and the other eight were like really bad right you know True. but that just means now artists don't there's no more need for the filler because that's not the way music is consumed is that better or worse i don't know you know it's kind of like podcast it's like i like to listen to them from start to finish some people yeah. like our buddy CSB wants chapters so he could listen to just little bits here and there and go right to what he wants. So it's depending on what you're looking to get out of any medium, I suppose. Yeah. But we do have a few people to thank for today's show here on Planet Rage, Uh-oh. which we are a value for value podcast, which means we put the shows out there. If you got some value out of them, then you can go over to planetrage.show slash donate for all the ways you can put that into a value and get that back to us. The first coming in today with a total of $41.15 is our buddy Sir Donald of the Fire Bottles, who sent in a check for $123.45, one, two, three, four, five. The numerology there is pretty obvious Yeah, and said he's enjoying Planet Rage, Unrelenting, and Random Thoughts. And to do the three-way split on that. Well, thank you, Sir Donald. We appreciate it. Uh, he comes in on the letterhead of the fe- you know Federation, so it's just all official. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've heard yeah. that many a times on the No Agenda show. And it's, it's nice that people are following nice. the different shows. And I like this concept with doing three different shows that are all somewhat different. It keeps things fresh. Mm-hmm. And it keeps things more. I mean, I know it's maybe bad for building an audience because there's a lot of people that just do the same thing every day. But I like the variety. I like doing the rock and roll pre-show, which has turned into a whole lot of fun that as well be before the No Agenda show. And another multi donation coming in next. Our buddy Chuda Cookie, who comes in with ten dollars, also a check, which is split between the four different shows. <laughs> and that is appreciated. And then coming in. The fancy way through the boostergram, our buddy CSB with 10,033 sats, which before the show I looked and that was at $3.79, but he's been coming in uh, pretty much every show with that. So he's consistent. Thank you, comic strict blogger and shoot a cookie. 
Thank you. Yes. And it might might be up because I'm looking that uh, the crypto is going up again. It goes up. It goes down. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. <laughs> and uh, CSB's note, I think, is fairly similar to the last time. Howdy, Larry and Darren. You're warmly welcome to listen to our podcast about AI called AI.cooking, read by Gregory William Forsyth Foreman. I think you could just call him Gwiff. I mean, you don't have to spell yeah. the whole thing out, CSB. But it's a, it is a very British sounding name. It is. Gregory William Forsyth British. Foreman. And even the acronym is British, GWIF. Yes. It is. It does sound very much, very much like it. Uh, And he said you could just type into your web browser, AI.cooking, and his cartoons can be found at comicstripblog.com. Yo, it is very much appreciated. Now, if you heard No Agenda yesterday, you, you heard Larry singing, and you got the rare, it was played before the show. Wow. And the troll room was digging it. And I told them who it was. And everybody's like, no way. Larry's got range. Because that didn't. I mean, really, it sounds very un Larry like. Did you use yeah. any processing on this or? Uh, no, none. This, this is just you doing Neil. Just me and my guitar. That's it. Damn, that's even better. Yeah. Then uh, they went in and they Dvorak joined the call. And he was like, well, who, you know, that Neil, Young, he was right on. And he goes in. And how you hear Neil Young has now ruined Neil Young for him because <laughs> your voice was, I should have pulled the clip on this, but he said you were like one macro note away from being Herbert the pervert from Family Guy. Hmm. And he said, that's what your Neil Young sounded like. He's like, but it was so close that he would now not be able to hear Neil Young without hearing Herbert the pervert. It's good to know I've changed John's life in some way. <laughs> yes, for the better. There's no question about it. But let's uh, we'll give people a little idea here of what that sounds like. I want a censor. I want a silence. Want to punch Joe Rogan, but I'm way too old. I was a hippie, now I'm just dippy. My vision's bad, so I eat bread that's got mold. And I do as I'm told. I mean, that is fantastic. We'll <laughs> put you. the whole thing at the end. I like the I punch Joe Rogan, but <laughs> I'm too old because today. Just by the matter of uh, faith and weirdness, yeah. uh, the great Nolan Ryan, 75 years old today, probably wow. best known for punching Robin Ventura right in the head. There you go. <laughs> you know, what's really I'll tell you another oddball talk about something a blast from the past is last <laughs> my my very first show that I did over five years ago was a Christmas show. Oh, yes. And I and the sort of the centerpiece of it was I, I sang. Um, that that dirge, uh, Charlie Brown theme, I put words to it, his Christmas song, and it did an assisted suicide with him. And then the guy who actually played Charlie, Charlie Brown, tragically, this cat killed himself yes. last week. And somebody said, like, are you from the future, man? Talk, talk about life imitating art. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and CSB is like, why do you say that? I'm like, Larry, your first episode came true. 
<laughs> it's so so bizarre. Yeah, people are sending me emails and stuff. Do you believe this shit? Holy shit. You know, it's very strange. <laughs> but, you know, I got to say, <clears throat> I was never a Charlie Brown fan. Uh, but the times I did hear those shows, we, how, the guy sounded clinically depressed. Right. <laughs> playing me like he was he was either a really great acting actor. Or he wasn't it wasn't a stretch, you know. We may know why now. I don't know. We may know. We may know. Life imitating art, art imitating life, all those kind of things going back and forth. And uh, also this past week, which I have a, just a quick clip here, the great Howard Hesseman passed away. Uh, bummer. Yeah. yeah. And he was a guy, I mean, politically did not have the same viewpoints at all, but I thought he was a hell of an actor. Very funny. I didn't yeah. realize, I don't remember this bit that he was on Saturday Night Live and did a whole monologue to start the show where he then mooned a picture of Ronald Reagan. Really? And encouraged everybody watching because that the screen just went to the picture of Ronald Reagan. And mm. he's like, everybody drop trow, take a picture of this and then send it to Saturday Night Live, which I'm wondering how many uh, how many oh, pictures sure. that they got. But I'm thinking, you know, this was a much more civil political landscape where he was doing this whole bit and it was in very, you know, good humor Yeah, that he was going to drop trial and everybody go get cameras and everybody at the same time moons the president. And he goes at the end of the bit, which was unexpected. He goes to the picture of Ronald Reagan and he turns it around and it's a picture of him. And he says, I just want to invite Ronald Reagan to come do the same thing to my picture. And it just hmm. really hit me that this was how we should communicate with people that we disagree with. Yeah. Using humor and like, okay, I'm going to moon you, which is so much less angry than flipping somebody the bird, you know, so much yes. less angry than screaming and yelling. And I really thought that was kind of an interesting way to look back on the political landscape from this had to be what 1980s early 80s yeah had to be early 80s yeah i guess wow but this yeah. is a clip from uh, the great wkrp when they decided to change this is the pilot episode a series that is well worth watching where they change from being like a very you know mormon tabernacle choir i think was like the stuff they were playing right before the program director comes in it's like yeah we're changing the format to rock and roll and he, johnny v was like you mean now and he says yeah and this is what goes down he, he the whole scene starts with uh howard hesseman johnny caravella was name he was going by like basically passed out on the desk he was so bored that right. The music that was playing, he didn't know what it was. He had to like read the album to say what it was. And once it switches over to rock and roll, the change was made. This is what you got. And this is where that needle scratching sound comes in. Do it. <laughs> All right, Cincinnati, it is time for this town to get down. You got done it. Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. <laughs> we are all in critical condition, babies. But you can tell me where it hurts, because I got the healing prescription here from the big KRP musical medicine cabinet. 
Now, I am talking about your 50,000-watt intensive care unit, babies. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. <laughs> Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger. Yeah, booger. As the as the story went, he was fired from a previous job for saying booger on the air. I mean, the world has changed a little bit. <laughs> oh man, has it ever? But he was yeah. a genius comic, and was. I mean, we recently had watched Head of the Class over again, which I remember watching when it was originally on, and thinking, you know, again, this was more of like a kids show but it really held up hmm. and uh, it was kind of interesting it was you know about a class of very smart kids in a new york high school but he was the teacher howard hessman and oh uh, really okay was an interesting bit and he left after the fourth season and then the show of course cratered and uh, crashed and then what krp was after that or before? no before Okay. Yeah, KRP was really what kind of launched him. He was in the, there was a dragnet that he was in with uh, the great Jack Webb and Jack uh, Webb and Harry Morgan. And uh, he had a very long and storied career. But I've said since I start doing the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show before No Agenda, that pretty much everything I learned was kind of equally from uh, Jonathan Brandmeier and Dr. Johnny Fever. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's the way to be. Just go out. And say whatever you want to say, which is still a beautiful thing to be able to do it until we all get shut down. Yes. And who knows when that might be? <laughs> I, hope, I hope not before next Monday. Yeah. So we can come back and do another one of these. What is coming? We need a longer that Larry show because the snow is going to be greater here in Chicago uh, this week. Well, Anything planned yet? Yeah. You know, I think um, I'm going to do some more riffing on Neil. And uh, this is this is all your fault because you were the <laughs> one that started telling me you, uh, that I needed to sing more and do more music. Right. Uh, in my show. So, like I said, the first one was the Charlie Brown thing. Then I did one, another Christmas show. And uh, that was about the whole uh, uh, sexual misconduct thing. And that was uh, Scandal Clause is coming to town. That was more in the Sinatra <laughs> vein or more. more uh, I remember like that. Walls. Yes. <clears throat> then I did this one. And that, I had so much fun doing this one that I'm working on a couple of other Neil Young cuts that I'm going to reimagine my way. So uh, you can tune in Wednesday or thereabouts to hear them. We will look yes. forward to that. And we will add the uh, the full Neil cut after oh, the outro you. here. So everybody can just just soak it in <laughs> and imagine Herbert the pervert at the same time. And it all works out. It does. Neil, I tell you what happened to rocking in the free world, Larry, what happened? Uh, you know, I think you just got old and scared. <laughs> Amen to that. Until next time, everybody later. The U S strikes back killing a member of the Islamic state.
of silence Wanna punch Joe Rogan But I'm way too old I was a hippie Now I'm just dippy My vision's bad So I eat bread that's got mold And I do as I'm told I follow science I am compliant I do what government tells me to do I don't step out of line Authority so fine Always happy about a new mandate And lockdowns are great I'm always searching for a new mandate Please give me a new rule that I can obey Don't tell me nothing I don't want to hear Look at my message, it's crystal clear I like living in fear I close my eyes, I close my fly And if we disagree, I close my mind Your damned opinion, it don't mean squat, son This ancient hippie has got one thing to teach Fuck your free speech.